Today's reading is taken from the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the regions of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was ruler of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the regions around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism for repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words that flow from my mouth be inspired by your Holy Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've always found it somewhat ironic that on the second Sunday of Advent, when we'll often be talking about the theme of peace in our Advent four-way cycle of hope, peace, joy, and love, we're always matched with a Bible reading about John the Baptist. Ironic because of all the characteristics that I would associate uh, John the Baptist with, peace is not one of them. The image that we uh, see created in Scripture is that John the Baptist is this radical, radical wild man who took on the establishment called out the scandals of the times and challenged the people he spoke to to change the way that they lived. John the Baptist ultimately lost his life in a graphic and gory way, standing up for what was right. What is remotely peaceful about any of that? As we explore what it means to reconnect with peace on this second Sunday of Advent. I wonder whether we'll find that John the Baptist has a lot more to say about peace than what we might first expect. My weeks are often seasoned with theological conversations and input from our church members. I love the fact that so many of you are happy to share and explore your idea of and your wrestling with God, with me and our other ministry team in so many different ways. This week, uh, one of our church members emailed me some of the thoughts that he'd been thinking about. I won't mention him by name, otherwise Dickon might get embarrassed. But thanks, Dickon. Um, he'd been reflecting on the rising conflict uh, in the world, possibly prompted by something that I'd been saying um, that... I'd notice that within society, we're losing the art of disagreeing well. 
in his insightful theological musings, he made the suggestion that peace was the opposite of conflict. As I reflected on his words, and as I was writing back my reply to him, I wondered whether actually peace was not the opposite of conflict. You see, there, there seems no absence of conflict around the life and death of Jesus. There's no absence of conflict in and around the early church. And there's certainly no absence of conflict in the Old Testament. So I suggested, not really knowing what I fully meant as I wrote, that perhaps peace could be a holy response to conflict. Another of our church members who sends a daily email of thoughts, ideas and quotes and a joke or two also shared this quote earlier this week. Before you speak of peace, you must first have peace in your heart. So not only is my week seasoned by you wonderful people, uh, with great theological discussion and insight and thought, you also give me great sermon ideas. Well, hopefully they're going to be great sermon ideas. You can judge after the end of the sermon. So what I'm going to try and share this morning is how these two thoughts about peace might be informed by who John the Baptist is and what Luke says about him in our Bible reading today and how we might be able to personally reconnect with this idea of peace that is spoken of so often in Scripture. Now, I certainly do believe that we're finding ourselves living in an increasingly polarised world where it seems like the extremes are widening and there's very little evidence of the art of disagreeing well. I'm not so naive to think that all of the world's problems can be solved by just simply agreeing to disagree. I also wonder if it has really always been this way. Are we just experiencing the latest iteration of what is a deeply human condition? Humanity throughout the ages seems consistently good at one thing, conflict. If peace is a holy response to conflict and not just a random thought that popped into my head the other day, what would a holy response to conflict actually look like? Is it turning the other cheek? Is it agreeing to disagree? Or is it waging some form of holy war or just war? Before we, before we look at the application of what is a holy response, it might be worth taking a quick look at the context in which we find today's Bible passage and John the Baptist himself. It's not surprising at all that the word of God came to John in the wilderness. The significance of the wilderness, both as a metaphor and in actuality, was well established in Jewish tradition. 
the Old Testament portrays the wilderness as a place of desolation and scarcity. But also, in contrast, the wilderness is where we see a sense of safety and divine provision. It's where Israel encounters God. And it's where Israel finds its identity being formed by that encounter with God. The prophets, the poets, and even the apostles in the New Testament retell these wilderness stories and use wilderness imagery to emphasize two main things, encounter and formation. Luke reminds us that John grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. So John doesn't just magically appear one day in the desert or decide to take himself off for a walk and find himself uh, setting up camp in the desert. Luke suggests that his growth and spiritual strength actually develop there. Now, I'm pretty sure Elizabeth and Zechariah didn't just abandon John in the desert. He was a much-anticipated and loved child, we can tell through Scripture. But what we get the sense of using this powerful Old Testament imagery is that John was deeply formed by an ongoing encounter with God from birth all the way up until his public ministry. This wild man, John the Baptist, was not a man of learning, station or influence like the celebrities that Luke names and Stephen so aptly read for us. There's some tricky words in that that Bible reading. But here we see a pattern that we also see reflected throughout Scripture, that God's Word comes to unexpected people in unexpected places. And when we encounter God's Word, God's Word forms us. And it's in God's forming of us that realisation of our personhood, our identity, that we can start to explore what a holy response might look like. Now, I I don't want to um, burst Bruce Mullen, who sends those great emails each day to me, his bubble, but it's probably highly unlikely that St. Francis of Assisi actually said these words. They're great. Before you speak of peace, you must first have it in your heart. Great words. Um, It's also highly unlikely that St. Francis also didn't say, or highly uh, highly likely that he didn't say, one of my favourite quotes that is attributed to St. Francis, and that is, preach wherever you go, and if necessary, use words. And if you want me to totally destroy your day, I'm almost positive he didn't write the prayer of St. Francis that has been made into that beautiful hymn, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. There's actually no evidence of those words, as profound as they are, existing before 1912. And St. Francis died in 1226, so there's a bit of a gap there. 
But it doesn't mean that we can't apply these great sayings as they are not only consistent with, consistent with the life and the work and the ministry and the few writings that we have left of St. Francis, they're also consistent with Scripture. And what this quote makes me wonder is, is there a relationship between having peace in your heart and encountering God and being formed by God? I suspect that if John the Baptist hadn't encountered God from his birth, then he wouldn't have realized that he had the words, the gifts and the talents and the cut through to challenge the learned and the elite of his time. But if he wasn't in the process of being continually formed by God, he wouldn't have had the insight to recognize Jesus when he first met Jesus. He wouldn't have had the insight and the maturity and the humility to be aware that his ministry wasn't about building a platform for John the Baptist to be noticed. But his ministry was about preparing the way. God formed him in a way where he was able to realize that his main purpose was not to benefit himself. It was for the benefit of God and the benefit of the people, but also to prepare the way for Jesus. I wonder whether too often we approach conflict with a sort of how will it affect me spirit in our heart. So when we have this how will it affect me spirit in our heart, when we find ourselves in the face of a conflict which we do on a regular basis in our world, we meet it with a sense of protectiveness or defensiveness or as often is the case in our world today, with outrage. John the Baptist was a pretty extraordinary guy. Jesus himself describes him this way. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. He was immersed and enmeshed in this wilderness encounter and formation by God. We can't possibly expect to live up to that sort of standard. But why not? What's stopping us from living lives of encounter and formation? Well, I think the only thing that's stopping us is us. When I thought about it, I realized that we could actually stay as busy, as connected and committed as we currently like, as our life causes us to be. But if we were able to change our attitude, our posture, our perspective, to allow our lives to be viewed as a wilderness experience in which we actively seek encounter with God, not just when we come to church on Sunday, 
not just when we do our Bible reading and reflection, but in every facet of our life. And if we actively seek and reflect on the way that God is working in our lives and how we are being formed by God in the experiences that we have, in the challenges that we endure, and in the opportunities that we are presented with, then we may realize that we have been invited by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the active presence of the Holy Spirit to live lives of encounter and formation. So if nothing else has to change, let's start living like this now. So what has this got to do with peace, you might ask? Well, I think it has everything to do with peace. I think that the type of peace that comes from a life of encounter and formation is an inside-out kind of peace. Or as the quote attributed to St. Francis suggests, we will find peace in our hearts because we know that we are encountering, encountering God and in our encounters with God, we are being shaped and formed and finding our identity. And so that gives us a sense of peace. And with that sense of peace, knowing that God is with us, God is shaping and forming us, regardless of what's going on around us, we can speak of that peace in an informed way and perhaps respond to conflict with a holy response rather than a defensive or protective or outraged response. You may have heard of the expression, a person of peace, used to describe Jesus or one of his followers. But what does it look like in practical terms to be a person of peace? I think we have this idea in the world that we live in today that a person of peace is someone who can hold a yoga pose, have their eyes closed and block out the troubles of the world. Or maybe a person of peace is somebody who can find a moment in their day to have a cup of coffee or a glass of their favourite cleansing beverage and drift away from the noise around us. Can I suggest that this is not a biblical view of peace at all? And it's not Franciscan or John the Baptist inspired either. Contemplation and reflection are important spiritual disciplines and they should be part of the rhythm of everybody's day and life. Every follower of Jesus should have a sense of reflection, contemplation, a sense of discipline, just like St. Francis had and he instilled his followers to do. But contemplation and reflection in and of themselves are not peace. Inside-out peace might sometimes look like John the Baptist at his fire and brimstone best. Inside-out peace 
might sometimes looking, look like working flat out all day without having a chance to stop. Inside out peace could be having a gentle, quiet word in the ear of another that nobody else can hear. Inside out peace could be biting your tongue when you know that words could harm. Inside out peace could be speaking out when you know that words can heal or affect change or bring justice. Inside out peace could just be you and God together with no one else around in the quiet. But inside out peace could equally be spending time in the noise and the crowd and the hustle and the bustle. There is really no limit to what inside out peace can look like. But at the heart of it is that it comes from the heart. And the only way that I know of to have that type of peace in my heart is through encountering God. And in that encounter of God, allowing God to shape us and change us and form us. Not just way back when, when we first had the idea of Jesus proposed to us and we said, oh, that was a good idea. But each and every day, God is continually open to forming us. But are we open to letting God form us? So I wonder what sort of peace do you really want to connect with on this second Sunday of Advent? The type of peace that might help you say namaste for a moment? Or an inside-out peace which infiltrates every single fibre of your being? Each day, every day, not just up until Christmas, but always for eternity. A type of peace that can only be found in the heart. A gift of God made possible through encounter and formation. So I pray, Lord God, that we might be people who respond to conflict in holy ways. Not because we should have the right answers but because you are active in our lives, that you are real to us, that we are encountering you on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, that you are forming us and shaping us in your image. And in that image, we pray that this inside-out type of peace might not only change our lives, but change our world, as you promise it will. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm just going to have a quick little pause as I rewire myself and we get ready to sing our next song.